This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well today we're going to be uh, kind of wrapping up our, our discussion and our series on covenant people. This is part five of our series and if you'll recall over the, the last several weeks we've been taking an in-depth look at what biblical covenants are because as we've said, I'll just do a little bit of uh, a review here for us for a few minutes, but that word covenant is a Bible word and you know people in this world they may have heard of covenants or they may well yeah i know what that but but that's a christian bible word dating all the way back obviously big time to the old testament and most people even christians don't actually understand what that word means and so what we've done is taken several weeks to study this out and we've learned that a covenant is not just a contract right uh, because this world would say oh yeah i know what a covenant is you sign a you know sign a piece of paper and both sides agree well it's more than a piece of paper have we learned that amen and it's more than just a promise though it does entail these things but it's much deeper and as we've learned a covenant is a promise it is in some ways a contract but even deeper than that it's about the relationship that both sides enter into and again as we just take a little bit of review we've seen covenants uh, all the way back to Genesis chapter 9 the very first covenant mentioned in scripture is when God made the covenant with Noah that he said would last for all of the rest of the earth that he would never again flood the entire earth and destroy all living things with a flood and so he said I'll give you my rainbow as the sign and the promise that I will never again destroy all living things with a flood and God's kept his word. Well, there's been floods since then. Yeah, there's been floods since then. But God has never destroyed all living things again with a flood. And every time I see the rainbow, I think of Genesis chapter 9. God, you're good. God, you kept your word. Your covenant is still in effect even in 2021. And then we have obviously saw Abraham being one of the next covenants. We've seen the covenant of Moses and the covenant of David. And there's other covenants. But then, praise God. Where you and I live right now is in the New Testament under the new covenant and that this covenant wasn't paid for with the blood of a goat or a lamb or a sheep. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it's the best covenant. Hebrews 8, 6 tells us that you have a better covenant than Moses with better promises. And why could that be a better covenant? Because once again, this covenant was mediated and paid for by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus, he said, whoa, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And so Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the best the best news, the best thing that's ever happened to you and I. Because of what Jesus did, now you, you, me, we can go directly into the presence of God Almighty by ourselves. Anytime we want to. 
pre-Jesus, pre-New Covenant, only the high priest could go in to the presence of God. And he could only do it one time a year during Passover. But as you'll recall, we saw at the end of the book of Matthew, when Jesus was on that cross, when he breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. At that moment, there was a shaking of the earth right there. Darkness fell all across the land and the temple and the curtain was ripped in half at the exact moment that Jesus' final breath left his body. He said it's finished. That curtain was 72 feet tall, four inches thick. It ripped in half from top to bottom. And that signifies that now the the, the veil is gone. The curtain is gone. Anybody that believes in Jesus and is a Christian, instantly they can go into God's presence themselves. There's no barrier. You, you right now in Barstow, California, can go right in to God's presence. You don't got to go through the preacher. You don't have to go through somebody else. You go through the Son, Jesus Christ, boldly to the throne of grace, as the New Testament tells us. And so some people are like, man, I know it would have been great, though, back then in the Old Testament to see those things. You have a better covenant with better promises, and they're jealous of you. I can promise you that right now. Because you can go into God's presence yourself and you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You've got a good deal right there. Amen. And so some of these covenants we look at, it's like, that's not a fair deal at all. That's not fair at all. One party's obviously getting the better end of that deal. And I'm telling you, we got the better end of this deal in this covenant with Jesus. You got some good stuff coming to you, and all we have to offer is our life. Jesus gave his life for mine? That's not fair. The perfect person, the best person ever, came and exchanged. You know what? You give me your life, and I'll give mine for you. That wasn't a fair deal at all because his life is so much better. It's worth so much more, but he did it anyway. So what I'm trying to tell you today is this. You've got a really good deal. You've got a really good covenant and blessings that belong to you. In part four, we were looking at just a little bit of the blessings that belong to you. But what I want to do today is this. I want to show you how it is that you are going to walk in your covenant blessings and receive them because you do have a part to play in it. You do have a part to play in order to unlock the, the covenant and unlock the blessings. You have a role to play in it. And thank God it's not as complicated as the Old Testament law of Moses where I think we said there's what 611 or something laws that you had to keep. And if you broke even one, then you were guilty of breaking all of them. Aren't you glad you don't live under that? I mean, you maybe made a mis- you know, you told a lie, but now, hey, you might as well have just killed somebody because you broke all the, all the other laws all at once because they're all connected. Thank God you live under the new covenant. But what I want to do today is show you how you unlock and you walk in the covenant blessings that belong to you because far too many Christians are living well below the covenant and well below the promises and well below what God has planned for you. God has good things planned for you. Who knows that? I mean, that's not just something we say. That's not just a a cliche phrase that Christians use. You better recognize and realize that God has good 
plan for you. Good, not evil. Blessings, not curses. He wants the best for you, but you're going to have to do your part of it. All right, and so we're going to take a look at the New Testament today about what you need to do on your end to walk in the fullness of the blessing. Who's excited to study the Word of God with us today? Amen. I love God's word. Let's pray, and we're going to dive right into Scripture here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we do indeed have a better covenant based on better promises, because our covenant is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not based on the blood of an animal, and it's not based upon us ourselves. It's based on Jesus. And Lord, I pray today that as we study your word, you'll speak to us, you'll tell us what we need to hear, and you will open our eyes, God. We don't just want information today. We want revelation. Lord, we want to hear from you, and we want to see what you need us to see. We love you for it. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. And so we're going to look at three keys today of what you need to walk in for you to begin receiving and walking in the fullness of your covenant. Now, of course, anytime I, I you know, I preach something like this, somebody could be more complex and, and add more angles and things. But I'm talking about three primary things that you need to see and walk in today as a new covenant, New Testament Christian. Number one, the biggest thing here is number one. Faith. You have to be a person of faith. That is the biggest key to being a new covenant, new testament Christian. And so what I want you to do today is look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Amen. Galatians 3. And we're going to look at a few verses here. But who is happy that they live under the new covenant? Based on Jesus. Amen. I'm happy that I live under the new covenant, the new testament with Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. I've got the written word of God that I can read every single day. And I've got Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. It's an exciting time to be alive. Amen. And so Galatians 3. And we're going to look here at verses 10 through 12. Now look at this. We're in the NLT Galatians 3 verse 10. But those who depend on the law, that's talking about the law of Moses, to make them right with God are under his curse. What? For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Well, man, I obey, you know, I obey as the as much of the of the law as I can obey. That's good. But if you don't obey every single detail, then you're actually cursed. Look at this, verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And the King James says the just shall live by Faith, verse 12, this way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. And so as a New Testament, New Covenant Christian, are you born again because you obey all of the law of the Old Testament? No, that's not how you're saved. You are saved by faith. The just shall live by faith. The righteous person has life 
by faith. And so as a new covenant person, faith is the number one biggest aspect of your entire life is faith. That's how we obey God. That's how we receive salvation. It's through faith. And now, the, that verse 11 there is, is a, a, a quite a well-known verse because it says, the just shall live by faith. And that is repeated in several other New Testament scriptures. Uh, in Romans, Galatians, all over the place. The just shall live by faith. Not by good works, though I believe in doing good works. Who believes that you should do good works? You should obey the Bible. I would say the old, most of the Old Testament law is good stuff for you to obey even today. That's good. But that's not how I'm saved. The just shall live by faith. Not by some other thing. By faith. And so, maybe you've heard of Martin Luther. Right back in the 1500s, Martin Luther uh, started the Protestant Reformation. He's the guy that broke uh, broke off from the Catholic Church and began uh, what we are would be considered today Protestants. Right, uh, the, the 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 really the the biggest sect of Christianity, the Protestant Reformation, the Protestant Church. And so Martin Luther, he had tried his entire life. He was German in the 1500s. He tried his entire life to just be good enough. Man, if I can just do enough good things, maybe God will finally love me. Maybe if I could just, uh, you know, uh, do enough penance. Maybe if I could just do enough deeds. Maybe if I could just say enough, you know, uh, uh, just say the rosary enough time. You know, all these things. If I could just do that enough, maybe God will find it. And he lived his life with a tremendous sense of guilt all over him. And, and so he's like, well, you know what? I'll just dedicate my whole life. I'll become a monk. And so he becomes a monk and he still feels guilty all the time that he's not worthy. He's not doing enough. He can't do enough good things to earn the love of God. And then he finds these verses one day and says, wait a minute. It's not through doing a bunch of good things. It's not through living a perfect life that I earn the love of God. The just shall live by faith. I have to believe it's by faith that I become a Christian. It's by faith that I receive eternal life. I don't have to earn the love of Jesus. Jesus already loves me anyway. Isn't that really good news that you You know you. You don't have to wait for Jesus to love you until you finally earn his love. Because I know, speaking for me, there's no way I would ever be good enough to earn the love of Jesus. But that's why we've got a beautiful thing called grace. That Jesus loves me and I don't deserve it. But he loves me so much anyway that he would die on a cross to save me from hell. To save me from myself. And what I got to do to receive that is believe in him. I got to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And then I am saved The just shall live by faith. Amen? And so, 
You know, somebody once, <laughs> I was laughing about this as I was writing this. I remember someone left a few years ago and like, man, all they ever do is talk about faith over there. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, hold on. Don't cut us short there. Yes, that's what we talk about all the time. But I don't just talk about faith. I live by faith. Amen. Don't cut us short. Yeah, we talk about faith all the time. Every service, every time that I nearly open my mouth, I'm talking about faith because that's how I live. That's why I'm alive. It is faith in God and his word that I made it through cancer when I was three. Amen. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith in God and his word. Why I'm even alive today. Man, don't just say that I talk about faith all the time. I do a lot more than that. I live every day, every moment of my life by faith. And I know all you guys do too. We live by faith. And I realize that this verse is talking about inheriting eternal life by faith, but I believe we can absolutely make this application to it that the righteous person, the just person, the born-again Christian lives their everyday life by faith. Well, why would we even say that? Hebrews 11.6. Let's look at Hebrews 11.6. We're just getting warmed up, guys. You better buckle up. We're getting ready to go somewhere. Who's excited for the word of God today? Amen. Who in here would say that I live my life by faith? Amen. I live my life by faith. And I don't ever get tired of hearing about faith. And why do we take faith so seriously? Well, the just person, the righteous, live their lives based on faith. Everything that we do is based on faith. But Hebrews 11.6 says this about it. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him. And so Faith is such an important part of our new covenant relationship because we live by it, but it's impossible to please God without faith. You will never make God happy without faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. And so you can never take faith too seriously. There's never a moment in time where, well, I don't think we should talk about faith anymore. You better Talk about faith every day of your life. You better realize that faith is the key ingredient to everything that you've got going on in your life. And I love the last part of this verse. God rewards those who sincerely, who diligently seek him. There's a reward for faith. There's a reward for the person that sincerely, they may not be perfect, they may not be perfect, but they're sincere. And you know what? When they screw up, they confess their sin to the Lord. When they miss it, they own up to it, and they talk to Jesus, and they repent about it. They're not perfect, but there's a reward for the person that sincerely and diligently seeks Him. And I love that because God's a good God. And if you've been told otherwise, you've been told wrong. He's a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants good things in your life. And he wants the absolute best for your life. He rewards those who sincerely and diligently seek him. Your whole life 
better be based on faith. Because listen, the day and age that we live in, you're going to have to start believing for some things that you can't see yet. You're going to have to start claiming some things and standing on some things that you can't see yet. But you better know that you've got promises from God's word. People, well, you know what's coming up next? You know what? Whatever, man. Because I am believing in God's word. Yeah, well, I can't see it. That's fine, man. That's fine. I can't see it with these yet either. But in my heart, I see the promises of God. And I receive them. And I walk on them. Amen? So if you are going to walk in and receive the fullness of the covenant blessings, the biggest thing is, number one, you've got to have faith. And then the second thing I'm going to talk about is this, is love. Love. Now, as important as faith is to the New Testament Christian, love is faith's brother. (laughs) They work hand in hand. They go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? They go together, and you've got to have both of these things. So faith may be the vehicle That gets us there, but love is the fuel that makes the vehicle run. In fact, Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love. Well, I thought faith just worked by praying a whole bunch. Well, that's nice, but that's not what it says. Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. And so you may be praying, you may be standing, you may be claiming, you may be doing everything you know what to do. But if you are not walking in love with other people, you are not getting anywhere. You have a really shiny car with no gas in it. Well, I drive a Tesla. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about a car that takes gas, right? Listen, you may, well, I know more Bible verses. I I pray more than anybody else. That's good. You've got a shiny car, but if you don't love other people, you are not going anywhere. In fact, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. 1, he said, in fact, my dad just referenced this verse, but if I could speak all the languages, all the tongues of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Think about that. That's what God hears. If you, man, I, well, I speak in all the tongues. I, 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 I know all the prayers. I know I can pray more eloquently and beautifully than anybody else. And if you don't love other people, all God hears is a noisy cymbal and a clanging gong. And you think that you sound so good. You think that you sound so pretty. You think that you just got it together. But if you don't treat other people right, all you're doing is making an annoying sound to God. Think about that. And so many people wonder why. Well, I just don't get it, man. I don't know why this stuff isn't working for me. I don't know why I am not walking into covenant. I mean, the Bible promises this clearly right here. This is my covenant right here. And I know all the words. I know all the things to say. But if you have not love, none of it matters. You will get nothing accomplished and nothing done in your life. The keys to walking in the new covenant blessings. You've got to have faith and you've got to have love. Other than faith, there's nothing more important as a New Testament Christian than loving other people. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm not talking about people that are easy to love. I'm especially talking about people that are difficult to love and get along with. Can I get a hearty amen?
You guys look like I just took your toys away from you at Christmas time. Listen, I'm not taking it away. I'm trying to hand blessings into your life. I'm not trying to mess you up. But look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now stick with me. We're, we're going to help you. Matthew chapter 5. Amen. But love is key. Faith and love. You've got to have these two things. And most people are like, man, I'm all about that faith stuff. Tell me about that. Hook me up, brother. Whoa, love? What's that about? Yeah, I, I love people that love me. I get along with my best friends. I get along. I'm not talking about that. And as you can see, uh, you'll see here in a minute, Jesus is not impressed one lick when you're nice and loving to people that are nice and loving to you anyway. That doesn't impress Jesus. That don't impress me much. Oh. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47 Jesus says, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And you're like, a tax collector? Man, a tax collector was the most hated person in Israel back then. They were mean. They were Romans, usually. And they were, well, a lot of them were Jewish guys that worked for the Romans, which was even worse. And so... If there's anybody you hated, it was a tax collector. And Jesus says, listen, even the tax collectors love those who love them. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Now, I want to read this in the Message Bible because, again, uh, there's just some good wording to this sometimes. And so look at this. The Message Bible puts it this way. Throw that on the screen. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Listen, so many Christians, so many people, they're not getting it. They're like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm nice to that, that guy. He bought me lunch one day. I'm nice to him every day now. Thank you, Jesus. I received the covenant. There's no reward in that. Well, yeah, this guy over here, he had my back this time at work. And so me and him now, you know, I'd always be there for him. Bravo. Even a sinner would do that. Even a run-of-the-mill rank sinner is nice to people that are nice to them, usually speaking, right? There's no bonus. There's no reward for that. What you are called to do as a New Testament Christian is love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Bless those who spitefully use you. You're supposed to go the extra mile. Turn the other cheek. And if you want to start walking in God's blessings, I'm giving you the keys today. The keys to the kingdom. So many people think that it's a complicated thing. It's not. You've got to have faith, number one. And you've got to love other people, number two. And we're not talking about the lovely people. We're talking about the difficult People And so there's no new covenant reward or bonus for being nice to and loving people that are already nice to you. The blessing shows up when you love those who don't love you. The blessing shows up 
when you're nice to people that are not nice to you. According to the Message Bible, the blessing shows up when you greet and say hello to people that don't go out of their way to greet and say hello to you. You want the blessings of God? You need to start doing this stuff right there. Hey, the old covenant, you had to obey 600 and some things. God says, hey, listen, you got to have faith. It's impossible to please God without faith, but you're going to have to love other people. And in fact, this love business, and, and let me just put my disclaimer out there that especially in 2021, everybody has, when I say the word love, when we bring the word love up, there's so many different ideas and twisted interpretations of that word that it's, it's difficult to even talk about it, right? Because we think nowadays that love means that, well, you just, you don't ever disagree with anybody. You don't ever, you know, every, that means you just approve of every little thing everybody ever does. And if you don't, you don't love them. That's a lie from hell that is sending people to hell by the basketful every single day. I'm not talking about some manufactured, made up, stupid, twisted, millennial definition of love. I'm talking about God's definition of love. And it's a dangerous thing to put your own interpretation and your own definition on God's words. That'll screw you up. That'll get you in trouble. I know it says that, but what I feel it means is this. What you feel, your feelings can send you to hell. I'm not going to twist the Bible. I'm not going to twist God's word. And so what we're talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is not our modern day whatever we think it means. Living my own truth now. Somebody said that the other day. I'm like, shut up, man. Your truth is a lie according to the Bible. Yeah, well, but I just feel so much better now that I live my definition of the truth. I don't want to live my definition of the truth. I want to live God's definition of the truth. Amen? And so that's what I'm talking about. And so love, according to the Bible, is not what everybody may think it is. Now, maybe you do have the right concept, but there's a good chance you don't. What the Scripture is talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is the agape unconditional love of God. No strings attached. The love of God. And sometimes the love of God will tell you you're wrong if it'll save you from a train wreck. Sometimes the love of God will say, you better turn that around right now or you're going to kill yourself and send yourself where you don't want to go. That's the love of God. And so Matthew chapter 22, we're already in Matthew 5. Let's just go over to Matthew chapter 22. Can we do that? Matthew 22 And we're going to look at verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And so another reason that love is so important for you under your new covenant is that it is our only New Testament commandment. Really? Yes. Matthew 22. We're going to look at verses 36 through 40. Now check this out. Matthew 22, 36. Are we there? Mike and my mom are there. Is anyone else there? Okay, I just wanted to, all right, I don't want to go without you. I want you to go with me. All right, Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at this. 
the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And Paul went in later on in the New Testament to explain the entire law and all the prophets, every law that was ever given to combat sin can be summed up and cured with these two commands. Love God and love people. If I love God, I'm not going to put anything else above him, am I? Well, that cures idolatry. That cures not wanting to go to church. That cures not wanting to be a tither. If I love God, then I'm going to do all those things simply out of my love for him. If I love my fellow man, I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not going to curse him and cuss at him. I'm not going to covet his possessions and his wife. I'm not going to do any of these things. If I love God, I'll obey his word. Even if it says things that I don't want it to say, I will still obey it simply out of my love for God. Simple. And number two, if I love other people, I don't need a whole bunch of other laws to tell me to not steal from them or kill them or cuss them or curse them or damage their life. I will simply love them enough to not do any of those things to them. And so why is love such a key to the New Testament, New Covenant Christian? Because all the law and the prophets, all of it can be summed up and boiled down into love. Love God. And love people. It's boiled down to that. And until we start walking in this, we are not going to walk in the fullness of the blessing. And so I want you to look here at back in Matthew chapter 5. All right. I know we're flipping back and forth there. Matthew chapter 5. But I've got to get you to see why love is such a key thing. Who believes love is important? Who believes God's definition of love is especially important? So Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, love is key. God's kind of love. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look here at uh, at uh, verses 23 and and 24. And this is an interesting, uh, interesting little thing uh, thing that Jesus said here. It's interesting. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 23 in the, in the New King James, Jesus says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's interesting. That, that's something else. That, 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 that if you're at the altar wanting to pour it out, wanting to, to give your, your offering, wanting to give your sacrifice of praise, wanting to give it all to God, and you remember that there's beef between you and your brother, he said, just drop it right there. Go handle that situation and then come back and handle things with God. That's a pretty serious thing that Jesus said right there that not too many people want to do. A lot of people, they like the feeling. They like the anointing. They like the experience of being at the altar and singing praises. I like that. Anyone in here that you like being at the altar of God, pouring out your heart, talking to God, let him talk to you? I love walking my tithe up. So it's not so I can be seen of men. That's stupid. It's so I can present it and lay it down at God's holy altar. And I'm speaking words of faith the whole way up there. 
But I love the altar of God. But Jesus is saying, it's such a holy thing. It's such a holy place. Before you handle your business with God at the altar, handle your business with your brother and love before you handle your business with God. Woo! I like the new covenant because it's so much easier. It is in a lot of ways, but... There is some stuff that you've got to do to walk under that new covenant. Look at, again, one more time how the Message Bible words this. I, I promise it's the last time I'm going there today. But, but look, this is how the Message Bible words this. Verse 23. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. What a way of saying that. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Well, why is all that? Well, I... Rewind and refresh your memory to 1 Corinthians 13.1. If we're praying and we're claiming and we're spitting and we're preaching and we're <laughs> prophesying and we're doing everything else. Woo! And we're living that Pentecostal life that we love. But we aren't loving other people. All God hears when you're saying all that is gong, gong. Do you know how annoying it is when kids just bang on cymbals? I do. I do. I've got kids and they like to hit symbols. They like to they like to make incessant noises. Do you your kids ever just make stupid noises? I mean, I'm not being mean. I'm not putting down on my kids. I love them. You know, my heart. Walter, I always go back to you. Me and Walter just have this understanding here that we love our kids just more than anything. But listen, listen, sometimes they just make really irritating noises. And at that moment, when they're just, you know, one day, Joel, he when he was younger, he would just go around just like, one day, I'm sitting there reading my Bible. The boy walks through the living room with cowboy boots on and a slice of pepperoni pizza in his pocket. I'm like, hold on. Did you just walk by with a piece of pizza in your pocket? Now, on one hand, I was like, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? You just got it right there. You can eat pizza anytime. I was proud of that. But at the same time, in those moments when your kids are making noises, at that moment, hey, Dad, can you go buy me the new Air Jordans? That is not the time to ask me for what you want right then. All I hear is, I hear that. And there's some Christians, they're out there, man, I can't stand this guy. They're causing strife. They're fighting. They're unforgiving everybody around them. God, I need this car. God, I need this house. God, I need this job. God, pour out a fresh rain upon me. And all he hears is gong, gong. All he hears is a clanging, loud, annoying cymbal and a gong because Without love, if I have not love, I am nothing. The new covenant's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting stuff. There's a lot of stuff promised to you in there. Peace, provision, healing, salvation, the joy of the Lord. All of these things are promised to you. But you're going to have to have faith to believe for them. You're going to have to walk in love so God will hear your prayers. It's a serious 
business. And my dad was just talking about his book, and I was going to bring this up, that, that in this book, one of the whole main premise, one of the whole main words that God spoke to him is for an end times move of God, we're going to have to have three big things, right? Prayer, leadership, and unity. And I believe that's a word from God for the end times. Prayer, everyone knows that, though most people don't really want to do it that much. Prayer, leadership, uh, people know that, and unity. And I believe that is a revelation word from God for us in the end times New Testament body of Christ. That unity, that represents love. When Jesus comes back, is he going to have to come back and say, oh, gosh, they're fighting again. I thought, surely this would be. No, he said he's come back for a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. He wants to come back for mature Christians, not a bunch that just can't get along with anybody that doesn't, you know, isn't exactly like them. He's coming back for a glorious church, a unified church. And I believe with all of my heart that Satan right now wants to stop the church, the body of Christ, from praying. He wants to stop the body of Christ from having godly leaders rise up. And he especially wants to stop the body of Christ right before he comes back from being unified and walking in love with each other. Why does Satan want to attack you from walking in love? Because he knows that it's going to tie your hands. You're a, a Christian that doesn't walk in love, they're basically useless. I didn't say they're worthless. They're basically useless. They're not, they ain't got no power. They're going to get no prayers answered. They're useless. They're no threat to the devil. They're their own worst enemy. They're rebuking the devil, and they should be rebuking themselves. So many people, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. But what if you're the weapon that's formed against you? Listen, this love thing is a serious business. And so right before Jesus comes back, and we're right there, the devil wants Christians not unified, not walking in love, because for one, your faith works by love, so that just sidelines you. You're on the bench now, and we can't even use you in the game. But also, it's going to not open up the door for you to walk in the covenant blessings that God has for you. Oh, no, why? They talk about that peace stuff. I never have none of that. I don't ever have no joy. I never have enough money. I never have enough healing. I never got... It's all there, and the price has been paid. You need faith to believe God for it. You need love so your faith will actually work. And number three, you need a beautiful word called obedience. Obedience. In fact, it tells us that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Obedience is a big deal in the New Covenant, New Testament kingdom of God. And so it's one thing to hear all the stuff that we've said today and and all that, but it's a whole other level to actually obey it. I mean, most Christians, they like to hear the word of God. But listen, hearing the word of God is not enough. Don't say that. No, no, I'm going to say that because the Bible says that. Being a hearer of God's word is not good enough. 
You have to actually be a doer of God's word. James 1.22. A lot of you already know this. A lot of you already know this first. And if you don't know it, know it. Today's your day to learn it. James 1.22. But if you're going to walk in these new covenant blessings and all that God has for you, it's going to take faith. It's going to take love. And it's going to take obedience from you. James 1.22 in the New King James, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, or else you're deceiving yourselves. You're deceiving yourselves. And there's so many people that they're deceived. They're like, well, I know the Bible says this. I know it says that. In fact, I'll even claim that. I'll even quote that. I'll even say that. But it's not enough to know it. It's not enough to claim it and to speak it and to read it. Those are all good things, but they don't work until you actually do it. You don't get to heaven. You don't receive salvation simply by knowing that Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you have to do it. Am I right? Amen. You got to do it. It's not enough to just know that the Bible says to love your enemies. You actually have to do it. It's not enough to just know that the Bible says bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing. And if you're going to open up your new covenant blessings, if you're going to receive the promises of God, you have to be obedient to what the Bible says. You have to obey. You have to be a doer. I like to be around people that are doers. I like to be around people that don't just talk a lot. I would rather be around people that actually do something. And so, As a Christian, I'm just encouraging you, I'm instructing you, I'm preaching to you today that if you've been excited and and, and you've learned anything at all out of everything we've studied the last several weeks, the last five weeks, you've got to know this. If you're going to receive God's promises, it takes faith, it takes love, an absolute insane amount of love, but it also takes obedience to God's word. And what's the real danger in not obeying? You want to know the real danger? You live a life of deception. And the worst part is, it's not the devil deceiving you. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. Oh, they tricked me. You tricked yourself. You deceived yourself. And I don't want to be deceived by anybody. But how embarrassing is it when you are the one that has deceived yourself? You've been Holding the wool over your own eyes. You've been blinding yourself. And it's real easy. A lot of people, they want to blame the devil. Oh, the devil. Oh, he, that old devil, he got one on me this time. That old devil, he sure fooled me. That old devil. And the devil's like, well, thanks for the credit. I receive it. But really, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. You, you really, you really threw me the assist on this one. You're my wingman. No, listen. It says right here, you're deceiving yourself. If you only hear the word, But you never do it. And so what I'm bringing it all in today is this. As a new covenant Christian, if you want all these blessings, and believe me, you want them and you need them, it's going to take faith. It's going to take the love of God in your heart. And it's going to take obeying the word of God that you know. And I I want you to know this, man. 
that God wants better for you than you even want for yourself. God has better for you. In fact, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could even tell the things that God has in store for those that love him. God, if you could even, you can't even imagine what God wants to do in your life, but I can promise you this, it will never happen without faith, without the love of God, and without obedience to God's word. And so, don't you dare leave this place today saying, amen, that was, that, was, that was all right, that was good stuff. If you have no intentions of obeying the Bible, even the parts that you don't like, even the parts that rough you up a little bit, even the parts that rub you wrong, you if you want to receive, be prepared to obey. Can I get an amen today? Amen. All right, let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.